Loving Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege of life. Dear Father, we want that we will be in the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As your word has promised that if we receive Christ, we will have power to become the sons of God. We pray, Lord, that you would grant to us the gift of your Holy Spirit as the comforter in our souls that we may, through him, receive Christ into our lives. As we go through the words of our devotion, may they be spirit and life to us. Satisfy our thirsty and hungry souls. Prepare us, Lord, to be in the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we may be ready for your coming. Consecrate me, Lord, and put your words in my lips, that it may be blessings and praise, and it may be edification and strength to your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, August 24 Faith and God's Promises Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 At the time Josiah began to rule, and for many years before, the true-hearted in Judah were questioning whether God's promises to ancient Israel could ever be fulfilled. These anxious questionings were voiced by the prophet Habakkuk. Viewing the situation of the faithful in his day, he expressed the burden of his heart in the inquiry. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou will not hear? And then, his faith reaching out beyond the forbidding prospect of the immediate future and laying fast hold on the precious promises that reveal God's love for his trusting children, the prophet added, We shall not die. With this declaration of faith, he rested his case and that of every believing Israelite in the hands of a compassionate God. The faith that strengthened Habakkuk and all the holy and the just in those days of deep trial was the same faith that sustains God's people today. In the darkest hours, under circumstances the most forbidding, the Christian believer may keep his soul stayed upon the source of all light and power. Day by day, true faith in God, his hope and courage may be renewed. The just shall live by his faith. We must cherish and cultivate the faith of which prophets and apostles have testified, the faith that lays hold on the promises of God and waits for deliverance in his appointed time and way. The sure word of prophecy will meet its final fulfillment in the glorious advent of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. With the prophet who endeavored to encourage Judah in a time of unparalleled apostasy, let us confidently declare, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. 
let us ever hold in remembrance the cheering message. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. Amen. The title of the devotion that we have for today is Faith and God's Promises. If there was ever a time when these two things, faith and God's promises, needs to be understood, the time is now. As we come closer to the end of this world, as we see around us wars and rumors of wars, as the pestilences increase, as the hunger pangs is heard, as we come to a time when there is a foreboding of destruction, poverty, doom to the world, faith and God's promises is very important at this time. As it was for the Israelites, so it is with us. God raised up the Israelites for a purpose, that through them he might be a blessing to the rest of the world, that through them the desire of ages our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will come, and then through Jesus salvation will be brought to the world. But Israel misunderstood the, the Lord. They could not work in cooperation with God, the majority of them, to fulfill the promise that God had made through them. Were it not to be that God had already sworn to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and also to David, that he was going to bring through these people the Messiah, the Lord would have taken them away because they disobeyed him and they did far worse than every other nation before them. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Cadmonites, the Jebusites, whom the Lord overthrew. Those children of Anak which we talked about before, they in their own life lived a better life than the children of Israel. Israel, the northern kingdom, was already taken away and only Judah was left. There were some faithful people among them who were wondering, will the Lord's promise be fulfilled? Especially as they saw what happened next after King Hezekiah. Our previous devotion left us talking about the death of Hezekiah and the ascendancy to the throne of a man called Manasseh who was born in that last 15 years which was graciously given to Hezekiah. Like I said earlier, if that's in yesterday's devotion, if that 15 years was not given to Hezekiah, Hezekiah's record would have read completely perfect till he died. But when the Lord promised him that he should die, which was not a bad thing, Hezekiah wept sore and pleaded with the Lord for something that he thought was best for him. The Lord gave him his desire. But within those 15 years, Hezekiah lifted up himself and determined the destruction of Judah in two ways. One, by allowing the Babylonians to have a false impression of how he got the victory over Sennacherib and how it was that the sun moved back 10 degrees. Instead of talking about God, he showed them gold and silver and all the things he had in his palace. 
he sent a wrong impression and it was then determined that these same Babylonians will one day come to Judah and take Hezekiah's children to Babylon. At least for once, he will take them into captivity. The other two times, because Babylon took the children of Judah three times captive, the first one was prophesied by Isaiah. But the other two were determined by the child that Hezekiah gave birth to within that 15 years that was graciously granted to him. How is this relevant to us? We will see as we go on how we can learn some lessons as the people of God in these last days who are wondering where is the promise of the Lord? When will he come? When will the Lord fulfill what he has said he will do for us? Those who are faithful at this time, like I said, are seeing apostasy around us, great and grave immorality. And like Habakkuk, we come to that position where we ask questions. But we need to develop it first. What was it that happened that made Habakkuk say the things he said? Let us go back to King Manasseh. After the death of Hezekiah, Manasseh began to reign. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 21, reading from verse 1, it says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign which means he was 12 years old when his father died. That means, coincidentally, that means incidentally, Hezekiah gave birth to him three years after that time when the Lord took that uh, sundial 10 degrees backward when he was healed of his disease. And I continue the reading now, First King, Second Kings chapter 21, reading from verse 1, it says, And he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. From, from what I can remember, this is the longest serving king in, in Jerusalem. Nobody served up to 55 years, not even David. David stayed 40 years, and I think Solomon was 50 years. Only Manasseh stayed for 55 years in Jerusalem. The Bible then says, and his mother's name was Hephzibah. By now, you should know that when people's mothers are mentioned, you should know that there is something about it, influence. It goes on to say, And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed, and he reared up altars for Baal, and made a grove, as did Ahab king of Israel, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Let me not rush that now. Did you get it? The temple of God. If you understand the sacredness of that place, there are two courts, the holy and the most holy. What did Manasseh do? He built altars for all, not some, all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Nobody has ever gone this far in defying God and in bringing such disrespect to him. Only Manasseh. Going on, it says in verse 6, And he made his son pass through the fire. He made human sacrifices. Going on again, he observed times. Talk about horoscope. Talk about zodiac signs. Talk about the uh, constellations and all of that. He did it all. Going on, he used enchantment and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. This was a young boy, 12 years old, who around him influenced him to do these things. Guess what? It's most likely that woman that was mentioned, Hephzibah. That's why he says his mother's name was Hephzibah. The influence of mothers we have already seen in the past. Very, very important. Be careful 
what you are as a woman and be careful men who you marry it goes on and says he wrought much wickedness in the sight of the lord to provoke him to anger and he set a graven image of the grove that he made in, that he had made in the house of which the lord said to david and to solomon his son in this house and in jerusalem which i have chosen out of all tribes of israel will i put my name forever neither will i make the feet of israel move any more out of the land which i gave their fathers only if they will observe to do according to all that I have commanded them, and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they hearkened not, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. Going on in verse 11 now, the Lord said, Because Manasseh king of Judah has done these abominations, and has done wickedly above all the Amorites did, which were before him, and hath made Judah also to sin with his idols. Influence again. Every king has influence. And true Manasseh, the whole Israel apostatized. Going on, verse 12, he says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whosoever heareth of it, both his ears shall tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. And I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of mine inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies. And they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies." Because they have done that which was evil in my sight, and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came forth out of Egypt, even unto this day. Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much, till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another, beside his sin wherewith he made Judah to sin in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Amen. If you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, talking about the people of faith, Going down to verse 26 and 27, 28, it talks about the people of God who, through faith, and then it says the subdued kings and all that. And then going down to 29, 30, it talks about some were son asunder. Do you know who that was who was son asunder? You know that during the days of Hezekiah, Isaiah the prophet was always around. Hezekiah died and Isaiah was still alive. It was Manasseh that killed Isaiah. He cut him in two, son asunder. This man was the one who did it. And that's why here we read it that he shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. You would agree with me that this was the most wicked king, but I would say the award, maybe just to use the word, award of the foolish, most foolish will go to his grandfather, Ahaz, who didn't repent because Manasseh later on repented of his sins. The Lord brought the Assyrians against him because of these things and they put a hook on his nose and led him finally to the king, to the kingdom of Assyria. Remember these Assyrians could not conquer Israel and uh, Judah before his father Hezekiah could not be conquered. Why? Because he was obedient. We learned the lesson once again. It is not the battlements and the armory and the weaponry that saves. 
even Hezekiah strengthened himself with a lot of weapons. But was it those weapons that delivered him? No, it wasn't. The Lord, by himself with an angel, destroyed 185,000 soldiers of the Assyrian army. And when we read of people like Jehoshaphat, the same thing happened. He had a lot of army and weapons. He never had to use them. The Lord just discomfited his, the people that came to fight him. It was he who went to that battle that they said, You shall not need to fight in this battle and set yourself stand you still see the salvation of the lord is real then they were told believe the prophets believe the lord you will prosper it was during jehoshaphat's time but manasseh with all the weapons he had inherited from his father could not withstand the assyrians but when he went to the land of the assyrians he besought the lord and the lord heard him and the lord worked it to be that he was returned back to judah to jerusalem and was enthroned again and he repented of all his sins and took away as much as he could the idols and the groves but he couldn't do everything and he, he, what he did was too much for him he couldn't undo it all and Manasseh died he will be in the kingdom of God and that's why I like this man Manasseh with all the evil the greatest evil that we ever have recorded in the word of God this man take it when it comes to multitude of evil he is the highest he's the one who did the worst but then He's going to be in the kingdom of God. That, let that teach us a lesson. That God does not cast people away as easily as man would do. All this while, God was trying to help Manasseh and finally he was able to reach him. After Manasseh died, came another good man, Josiah. Before Josiah, actually, there was a man called Ammon. He was wicked. The Lord did not even allow him to stay for too long. Very few months, he went and Josiah took over the throne. And Josiah was a good man. It was during the days of Josiah that the prophet Habakkuk was around. At this time, they had already known of what was going on in Judah because Manasseh could not undo the evil that he did. Not even the great Josiah, the great reformer. Josiah was a reformer. You can go and read the story. That man so reformed Judah down to almost Israel. Did the Passover, brought back the law of God, him and uh, the prophet Huldah and the other people who were with him restored the temple of the Lord which Manasseh had brought to the ruins. But the Lord told Josiah through the prophet Huldah, nothing you do is going to change my mind. I've already determined that Judah is going in captivity to the Babylonians. So now, the Babylonians were rising to power at this time. They were conquering nation after nation. And Judah, the people of Judah, at least the faithful ones who were not deceived, knew that it was, it was only a matter of time and it would get to them. As the faithful in the land heard of this, they feared for themselves. Habakkuk voiced his complaints about Babylon at this time. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, reading from verse 2, he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear, even cry unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Who was he referring to? Babylon. Do you know who Babylon had just conquered? They had just conquered the Assyrians. Before the book of Habakkuk, you find the book of Nahum. It was at this time that there was a king in Assyria that was the one that took Manasseh captive and returned him. At this time, around 667 BC, going down to 620 BC, Babylon was becoming strong. But before 620, Babylon had already taken Assyria and destroyed that great kingdom of Assyria. And now, they were the world power. People were afraid of them 
and Habakkuk was looking at what was happening, there was this new king in Babylon. It was not Baladan, neither was it his son Merodach Baladan, but it was the son of Merodach Baladan called Nebuchadnezzar. This man was beginning to conquer the world, nation after nation, kingdom after kingdom, and he set his sight on Judah. With his divination, if you read in the book of uh, uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, he talks about how the king of Babylon has brought out from, as looking at the liver and using his divination, he's coming against Judah. He wants to come and destroy them. Habakkuk knew about all of this and that's why he was crying about violence because these people were ruthless. The Babylonians, the Bible describes them as a people whose ways you cannot understand. When they come against anyone, you cannot stand them. The Assyrians were learning where they were. Something had taken place in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. They had another spirit at this time. But it was the Lord who was doing it. The Lord has already determined even in the days of Isaiah. If you read it in Isaiah 14, it talks about Babylon and how God is going to use them to do some mighty works and yet he will still judge them. He still talks about them, how he's going to raise up the king in Babylon to destroy Judah. Going on, Habakkuk complained in verse 5, Behold you among the hidden and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves, and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasted to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sop up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Wow, do you hear this description of Babylon? These people, the Chaldeans, nothing could withstand them. And Habakkuk was afraid of them and saying, this is what they are doing. And then he pleaded with the Lord in verse 12 and said, Are thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. And O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. I'll pause here to say something. When you see nations going against nations in the world, calm down. Do not take sides for you don't know what is going on. God himself raised Babylon as a nation he will use to correct other nations including Judah. When you hear of the wars going on in the world, the Lord is involved. Keep your peace and stay still. And you must learn like Habakkuk to understand the determination that the Lord has said. Don't go around calling kings wicked men or this and that. Calm down. You don't know whether the Lord sent them to do what they are doing. So, God, but then, the violence that was being practiced by Nebuchadnezzar was something of concern to Habakkuk. And Habakkuk said in verse 13, Thou art of a purer eyes than to behold evil, and cannot look on iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue, when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? So, Habakkuk is, is saying, God, if, if, if God was going to wipe Judah like a dish, what of Babylon, who were also a terrible people? 
Will God neglect the righteous in the land and destroy them by the hands of those who are more wicked than they? This was what troubled Habakkuk. And the Lord responded to him like he will respond to us today. You see, we are coming to the end of time like I said. There's a lot going on around us. And you may be asking the question, look at these people, these terrorists. They are destroying people. Why, Lord, are you allowing this? Look at your people who are among them. It's now that we need to understand faith and God's promises. Anyone who is faithful to God has nothing to fear. Are there some people who are terrorists in your nations? We hear of people who go to churches and shoot people in there, not just in Africa, but also in the, in, in the US and the Western nations. There's violence, religious violence. And the people of God may be asking questions. But here is the answer that the Lord gave to Habakkuk when he was asking questions concerning the violence. Some people will be asking, when, O oh Lord, how long, O oh Lord? That why are you allowing these things to happen to your people? That's what Habakkuk was asking. And the Lord answered him, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2, he says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him but the just shall live by his faith. Amen. Here, the Lord was encouraging Habakkuk, telling him that he needed not to worry, that he was going to take care of every event. And we also can see it that way. The Lord is going to take care of everything. How is it that the Lord was going to take care of everything? Because when God promised that Babylon was coming to wipe Judah as a dish. There were some righteous people, few of them there. What was going to happen to them? God said he was going to protect them. He was going to help them. Habakkuk later died, of course, and Babylon had not come. The time when Josiah died, there were three other kings. And this was the culmination of the days that, uh, that came to the day when Babylon destroyed Jerusalem. The next king was the man called Jehoiakim. You also have another one called Jehoiachin. And then you have the last king of Judah called Zedekiah. In their days, Jeremiah was the one raised up to give them the, prof the prophecy that they were going to be destroyed. Babylon first of all came in the days of Jehoiakim. It was around this time when he came that he took the children of Hezekiah captive, the boys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, princes from the royal family, taken to Babylon. That was the first siege. And then there was the second siege which took Jehoiachin. And then there was the last one in the days of Zedekiah. There were righteous people living at this time. What was going to happen to them? Were they going to die? Were they going to be punished among with the wicked? The Lord said no. In the book of Jeremiah 15 from verse 1 to 4, the Lord gave Jeremiah a promise. It says, then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward these people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. We read this in yesterday's devotion in verse 4. God said, And I will cause them to be removed into all kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, that for that which he did in Jerusalem. 
what was it that he did in Jerusalem, by the way, before I talk about how God was going to protect his people and how we can have faith in his promises even in these last days. There was something that the Lord singled out as a real and serious issue that he had with the people of Judah. In the book of Jeremiah 17, God singled, told them clearly that this is the main thing above all your sins. This one is the reason why Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. I read it. Jeremiah 17, reading from verse 21, he said, Thus said the Lord, Take heed to yourselves and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it by the gates of Jerusalem, neither carry forth a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, neither do ye any work, but hallow ye the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. But they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but made their neck stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. And it shall come to pass. If you diligently hearken unto me, said the Lord, to bring in no burden through the gates of the city on the Sabbath day, but hallow the Sabbath day to do no work therein. And the Lord said he will allow princes to walk into Jerusalem. And he was he was giving them a final chance. You know, the Lord has promised that I was going to destroy. But in the days of Jeremiah, it seems the Lord was now saying to them, something might change my mind. If you will change, I might just change my mind on what I have determined against you because of what Manasseh did. And it was keep the sabbath day but they did not hear and god said to them in verse 27 but if you will not hearken unto me to hallow the sabbath day and not to bear a burden even entering in at the gates of jerusalem on the sabbath day then will i kindle the fire in the gates thereof and it shall devour the palaces of jerusalem and it shall not be quenched in these last days it is still going to be the issue of Sabbath sacredness that the Lord is going to hold up to us. In that time of Jerusalem, it was the Sabbath. And in these last days, we are coming to a time where the law of God is being trampled underfoot. And then especially the Sabbath. It's not just the Sabbath, but all of the law of God. But the Sabbath is going to be the one of special significance. The Lord was saying to them in those days as he's saying to us, if you don't keep my sabbath that is when you will not be protected but we can have faith in god's promises that if you keep the sabbath like he said and all his laws all of them the lord is promising that he would deliver and save his remnant who does this at this time jeremiah was wondering about himself what is going to happen to all of us all he was prophesying the people did not believe him and he was wondering Am I also going to be destroyed just like Habakkuk was wondering what is going to happen to us? But God gave a promise. You know, the Lord knows how to deliver the just and to reserve the ungodly for punishment. He knows. You see, people do not die randomly like we think. There is nothing like random death. It is very selective. The Lord chooses who goes and who stays. In the book of Jeremiah 15, reading from verse 10 and 11, it says, Woe, Jeremiah was crying and he said, Woe is me, my mother that thou hast borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. I have neither learned on usury, nor men have learned to me on usury, yet every one of them doth curse me. The Lord said, Verily it shall be well with thy remnant. Verily I will cause the enemy to entreat thee well in the time of evil and in the time of affliction. Amen. This is the God's promise we are referring to and this is what we should have faith in. The Lord is not going to take us away from the time of trouble. 
so that we will not experience it. But in the midst of it, the Lord is going to deliver us just like he did to Jeremiah. The Lord gave him this promise, not just him, he said, the remnants, verse 11, the Lord said, verily, it shall be well with thy remnant. Verily, I will cause the enemy to entreat thee well in the time of evil and in the time of affliction. This was the promise given to Jeremiah and this is the promise given to us today. We can have faith. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2, 2 verse 4, the just shall live by his faith. When that statement was made, it had an immediate application to Habakkuk. Habakkuk was talking about his present life. What is going to happen to us, the righteous ones? God told him the just shall survive. They will live as long as they have faith. And he gave that promise to Jeremiah, you will not die. I will cause the enemy to entreat you well, and not just you, but everyone who was a remnant. There were other people like Barak. And then there was a man called Gedaliah. There was that Ethiopian eunuch also who uh, helped Jeremiah at that time. All the good people. When Nebuchadnezzar came to destroy Judah, he did not die along with the wicked. You see, the Lord had determined it and nothing was going to stop it. And there is this prophecy given by Jeremiah that shows me the determination of God and how we cannot avert what God has said. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah one time when Zedekiah called him and said, What is going to happen to us? Tell me, prophesy unto me. Jeremiah said to him in the book of Jeremiah chapter 37, reading from verse 7, he says, Thus said the Lord God of Israel, Thus shall you say to the king of Judah that sent you to me to inquire of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army, which is come forth to help you, shall return to Egypt into their own land. And the Chaldeans, as the Babylonians, shall come again and fight against this city and take it and burn it with fire. Imagine telling a king this kind of thing. <laughs> this is the kind of boldness we need to have in our day. Verse 9 now says, Thus saith the Lord, deceive, you not, deceive not yourselves, saying, The Chaldeans shall surely depart from us, for they shall not depart. For though you had smitten the whole army of the Chaldeans that fight against you, and there remained but wounded men among them, yet should they rise up, every man in his tent, and burn this city with fire. And it came to pass that when the army of the Chaldeans was broken up from Jerusalem for, for fear of Pharaoh's army, then Jeremiah went forth out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to separate himself. Thence in the midst of the people. Do you know what they did to Jeremiah? They accused him of espionage. They said, when he was at the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the world was there, whose name was Erijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah. And he took Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Thou fallest away, that is, you are defecting to the Babylonians. Then said Jeremiah, It is false. I am not defecting to the Chaldeans. But he hearkened not to him. So Erijah took Jeremiah and brought him unto the princes, wherefore the princes were wroth with Jeremiah and smote him. They beat him up and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that prison. When Jeremiah was entered into the dungeon and into the cabins, and Jeremiah remained there many days. So this man really suffered under the hands of his own people. He is like those journalists like Julian Assange today. And like many other independent journalists who say things that are true and just because they are reporting the true news of what is happening in their nation, they block their channel and ensure that they don't give that news again. 
But what happened at the end? In the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 36, reading from verse 11, says, Zedekiah was one and twenty years old when he began to reign and reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in sight of the Lord his God and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, that's apart from what Zedekiah did, all the chief priests, take note, so there was a corruption, religious corruption going on. All the chief priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees who slew their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon young man or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age, I mean they killed little babies. He gave them all into his hand, and all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king, and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of God, and break down the wall of Jerusalem, and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire, and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. Do you see why Habakkuk was afraid? These people were ruthless. Verse 20, verse 20 says, And them that escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill seventy years. Amen. Thus, an end was brought to the dynasty of the kingdom of Israel and Judah. After Zedekiah, the next king that came is none other than he who is the true king, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No other king of Israel. For many, many years, God brought an end to that bad decision they made many years ago, saying that they wanted a king for themselves and brought an end to their constant sin, abomination and apostasy. But what we are looking at today is when there is deep apostasy among the people, what happens to the few faithful ones? Like we have read, the Lord promised Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15 verse 11 that him and the remnant who are faithful, that they will be entreated well. And during this massive destruction, they will not be touched. How is that? The Lord knows how to deliver his people. In Jeremiah chapter 40, after the destruction of Jerusalem, guess what? You will wonder how did these people from a far nation know Jeremiah? They knew him. The Lord knew how to do it. In verse 2 it says, And the captain of the guard, this man's name is Nebuzaradan, he was a captain of Nebuchadnezzar's army, the captain of the guard, Nebuzaradan, took Jeremiah and said unto him, The Lord thy God hath pronounced this evil upon this place. Now the Lord had brought it, and has done according as he had said, because you have sinned against the Lord, and have not obeyed his voice, therefore this thing is come upon you. Can you imagine? Even the heathen could say such a thing about Jerusalem 
that the reason why they were destroyed is not just because Babylon has any power. Nebuzaradan is telling them it is because you people sinned against your God. That's why this has happened to you. Because these men knew that the God of the Israelites was a God of all gods. He was the one that destroyed 185,000 people, soldiers of the kingdom of Assyria. He was the one that made the sun dial to go back 10 degrees. No other God could do that. The Babylonians knew. And he, they knew that the only way this thing can happen is because these people have forsaken their God. Their God has left them. Their protection is gone from them. Their, 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 their fence that was surrounding them is gone because of disobedience. And what do you think will happen to the Christians of today? What do you think will happen to such a people who claim that they are the keepers of the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus, who claim that they are the one church of God, but yet they are committing abominable practices, departing from the Lord day by day, year by year, coming closer and closer to the world? What do you think will happen? It's only the faithful few that would survive. And Nebuzaradan spoke to Jeremiah, saying to him now in Jeremiah 40 verse 4, And now behold, I lose thee this day. Who was the one that imprisoned Jeremiah? It was Zedekiah and the princes. They, 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 they locked him up. But what did Nebuzaradan do? He came and said to him, I lose thee this day from the chains which were upon thine hand. If it seem good unto thee to come with me into Babylon, come, and I will look well unto thee. But if it seem ill unto thee to come with me into Babylon, forbear. Behold, all the land is before thee, whither it seemeth good and convenient for thee to go, thither go. Now, while he was not yet gone back, he said, Go back also to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the cities of Judah, and dwell with him among the people, or go wheresoever it seemeth convenient unto thee to go. So the captain of the guard gave him victuals and a reward and let him go. Amen. Did you know that Jeremiah was rewarded? After all his sufferings, how they beat him, they smote him, they insulted him, they mocked him, they planned against him, locked him up in prison without food for days, many days, the Lord took care of him. Let this be a consolation to us that we should have faith in God's promises. The God who was able to preserve Jeremiah, Gedaliah and Barak at this time can also preserve us even in a time of crisis. As you hear of people carrying guns and shooting people in the churches, as you hear of people who are planning for a time of trouble that want to distress God's people and want to go against his law and want to bring about such a terrible suffering and persecution to God's people, which you will also feel like Jeremiah felt his own. Don't worry. Have faith in God's promises. The just shall live by his faith. Jesus said, Fear ye not him who is able to destroy this body but cannot destroy the soul, but I tell you whom you should fear. Fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Does it mean that we cannot be touched? Of course not. Peter was nailed upside down to a cross. Paul was beheaded and many of the apostles were killed. All of them, in fact, apart from John who was put in hot boiling oil, but he didn't die. It doesn't mean that God will not will preserve this particular life, no. But what it means is that your eternal life is secure, like we saw in our devotion. This is reminding us that we can wait on the Lord. Remember what the promise was to Habakkuk? Though the vision tarry, wait for it. It will come to pass. 
we are told in Conflict and Courage, page 242, paragraph 5, we must cherish and cultivate the faith of which prophets and apostles have testified, the faith that lays hold on the promises of God and waits, waits, waits for deliverance in his appointed time and way. You know where we have problem really? We don't like waiting for the time. And we don't like the way God uses to deliver us. We wish it was a different way because it usually makes our heart to skip. But don't worry, even though your heart skips, the Lord will deliver you nevertheless. The sure word of prophecy will meet its final fulfillment in the glorious advent of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords with the prophet who endeavored to encourage Judah in a time of unparalleled apostasy. Let us confidently declare, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth Keep silence before him. Let us ever hold in remembrance the cheering message. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. End of quote. Wait for it, brother. Wait for it, sister. We may have our sufferings and persecutions like Jeremiah had in his day, but just wait. The Lord will release you from the chains like he sent the captain Nebuzaradan of the army of Nebuchadnezzar to release Jeremiah from his chains. The just shall live by his faith. Let us continue to exercise faith in God and we are sure that we shall live. Let us not depart from him like the rest of the children of Israel. Let us be among that faithful remnant who is described as those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus and it shall surely be well with all who do this, especially in these last days of unparalleled apostasy. You know we are in that time where the churches have departed from God. Let the faithful few hold on. Hold on as you see the apostasy. Don't give up. The Lord will deliver. Let us pray. Dear Lord in heaven, help us, Lord, to be among the remnant who, like Habakkuk and Jeremiah, shall continue in the faith and wait to be delivered in your appointed time and way as we come nearer and nearer to the end as we see wars and rumors of wars hear of it and we also see pestilences all around us lord please help us to live by faith in this time in obedience to your word constant obedience not departing to the right hand or to the left we see so many temptations around us as pulling us in the wrong direction oh lord please preserve us please save us we have our own flesh to contend with temptations without and within are drawing us lord strengthen us we can do all things through christ who strengthens us and i pray that your promises shall prove invaluable to us at this time teach us to exercise faith in them oh lord in jesus name i've prayed amen